thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Good morning. I am so glad to be here. I really enjoyed that song service and uh, am uh, hoping that uh, this lesson will be beneficial for you today. Before I get started, I wanted to do another plug for our Trunk or Treat event coming up at the end of October, and uh, we'll, we'll be having that uh, chili cook-off, and I'm excited. I put my name up this morning. I'm really excited about that. And uh, so our, we'll be eating around 5.30, 5.45, then we'll have our devotional at 6.15. Following that, we'll have our Trunk or Treat. And uh, I know um, Catherine and I have been talking about this is Kaysen's first Halloween. And apparently we have to match something or at least go with something, so says she. So that's what we'll be doing because, yes, ma'am. And uh, so I'm excited about this coming, uh, you know, this coming up uh, events, and I know that you will be too. If you're like me, have you ever really wanted to do something but you did not have the talent to do it. I know, I've been there. Uh, For me, growing up, one of the things I really enjoyed was art class. I loved art class, but I was not good at art. Uh, I can't draw. I I can't even draw a straight line or stick figures. It's really embarrassing, but I, I can't draw. I remember one of the most... The coolest thing I ever did with a drawing and charcoal stuff, um, the teacher helped draw, and my mom loves it, and I'm like, yeah, because the teacher did half of it. And, uh, but it looks cool because she did half of it. But uh, I could never do that. I could never paint. When I would do the little magic clay stuff, and you have to do something out of you know, some kind of sculpting, it always looked like, I don't know what that is, but good job. You know, and I kind of got a pat on the back. Never won any awards for the art shows, but I really enjoy doing that if I was any good. And as I think about this, uh, a friend of mine, uh, and we, we haven't spoken because we just haven't kept up with each other, but uh, in youth group growing up, I had a friend, Andrew Pullman, and he, has, he is an art teacher. And I'm like, that's cool. And uh, so he teaches art, he teaches pottery, he teaches that kind of stuff. And he has his pottery business, and I actually have one of these ceramic Christmas ornaments that we display in our china cabinet year-round. He makes jewelry, he makes bowls, pots, or not pots, I don't know, bowls and pitchers and mugs and all sorts of stuff. But I have a video because we'll be talking about how we need to be moldable. And this is a video that I found that he posted quite some time ago. And if we can show it real quick, let's see if it'll play. Maybe. Play. Play. Nope. Is there a way for us to hit play on that? We tested it earlier. There we go. So he makes these cool things, and he's obviously he's moving super fast at lightning speed. My guess is it's fast forward. But, uh... This is what I imagine when I think of pottery, when I think of being moldable, is being like, man, I really wish I could be like my friend Andrew. (laughs) But as you can see, he is taking his time, and my guess is this took a lot longer. I'm not sure how sped up this is, 
And uh, I know sometimes he even uses his handmade stamps that he did to decorate his stuff. He'll carve in some stuff with his tools. But then he starts doing the final touches and makes it look all nice and smooth, which mine would just be like a big ball of nothingness. But uh, I'm always impressed when I see people doing their craft. And then all of a sudden, look, that looks like a beautiful picture. And I'd be scared to drop this. There's no handle on it. But um, he might, I know sometimes he makes the handle separately and then attaches them. But that is really cool. And, but I know that I may be the only one who's not good at, at these kinds of things. But I have some stuff underneath this desk. And I would like our fifth grade and under to come help me real quick. I got some Play-Doh, and uh, so I need some people to help me make a super awesome thing. So we'll pass out these Play-Dohs, and then you'll go back to your seat. So you can come up and get your Play-Doh if you're in fifth grade and under. And while they're coming up and, and getting that, this Play-Doh, I want, you can just go grab and sit back down, guys. Thank you. I want you to think about something amazing you can make and how this Play-Doh is moldable and how you can make all sorts of stuff with it. And um, we have all kinds of kids. I'm just going to dump it. There you go. Do we need more? Thank you. Yeah, you can go back and sit down now. Thank you. I have one down here I was messing with before services, and I'm super excited because I love Play-Doh. I, I used to love Play-Doh, and what's good is it's non-toxic for people like me who tend to just be like, you know, especially when I was little, and we know babies, they like to shove things in their mouths, so apparently this is not toxic, at least it used to not be. Don't take my word for it. But I want us to, to think about that potter. And uh, so for those of us, uh, for the adults, you want to go ahead and turn to Jeremiah chapter 18. That's where we'll be, Jeremiah chapter 18. But I really like Play-Doh because you can mold it just like Andrew did. And you can make a really cool thing, but I can't. Uh, the best thing I can make is this right here. I can make a ball. And I'm super proud of my ball because you can throw it, you can catch it. You can't really bounce the Play-Doh ball. I've tried. It just makes a big pancake. And, um, but I'm really proud of my ball. But maybe... Y'all can make something much cooler than I can. But in Jeremiah chapter 18, God had just told Jeremiah, so I want you to go down to the potter's house. Now, I'll be pretty excited. Like that video, that's what I imagine he would see, except maybe a little bit more rustic. Uh, that was a, a pretty nice wheel he had there. And um, it probably wasn't as nice as that, but I imagine going in and watching someone work with that clay. And he says, I'm starting in verse 3, So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. It's always impressive, like I said, to watch someone who has perfected a craft work at something. And he's working at it, and it says in verse 4 that the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. That would be me except I couldn't do anything after that. It would be just not working. It would look awful. And it says, and he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to do. It's amazing. When I've seen people, I said, well, what do you do when you mess up with the clay and it's still on the wheel? As long as it's still wet and it's still moldable, 
you can just mash it down and just like this Play-Doh, whenever he makes something, you can just mash it again and then start reworking it, although I just got another ball again. And it's not even a good ball. But it's wonderful because that's what someone who knows what they're doing can do with clay. He says he worked, reworked it as it seems good to the potter to do. And if I'm Jeremiah, I'm like, well, thanks for bringing me to this potter's house. It's really cool. I'm impressed. But why am I here? And here we are in verse 6. He says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done, declares the Lord. Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. That's pretty cool. So God's saying, I'm just like that potter. I can mold you. I can make you into something successful. I can make, I can rework you to have a different purpose in life so that you will do my will. And as I'm thinking about this, I can't help but think that we have to submit to the master potter. Uh, No, that's not my friend, Andrew. It's definitely not me. And it's not you. Even though I'm sure I'm looking at some of our kids right now, they're doing a great job. Um, They're doing better than I ever could. But I imagine the master potter, being God, knows what he's doing. As awesome as it is to look up my friend Andrew's work and other potters' work and to be amazed by their creations, to say, oh, that's a really cool mug. He has one of those huge mugs that's, I don't know, big, like the old medieval mugs. I'm like, that's, but it's ceramic. It's all cool, all impressive. But the impressiveness in comparison to what God can do in our lives really is is incomparable, is incomparable. But too often, we end up thinking that we're greater. Uh, In class, we talked about what the word submit meant in our middle school class. And I like to look at it as if we are putting ourselves under, under the authority of someone else. But sometimes it's not just about authority. Sometimes it's about yielding to someone else. To be, you know, and I think those two things put together really describes what submitting means. Because not only are we supposed to submit to God, but we're also told we're supposed to have this mutual submission to each other. So it can't just be about authority, but in relation to submitting to the master potter, it has to be about authority. It has to be about knowing that we are less than he is, but he is infinitely more knowledgeable than us. He is infinitely more wise than us, and he has a plan. And there really is no greater potter than our Lord Jesus, than than, than, than our Heavenly Father. And this really illustrates this this whole object lesson that Jeremiah was seeing, really illustrates one thing, God saying, I am in control. You're not in control. You may think you're in control. You may even try to be in control, but I am the one who is in control. My will will be done. But we like to kind of fight this. We like to have this battle of control. And this battle of control is really tempting to fight. It's tempting to participate in that battle. Uh-oh, I messed up somewhere. There it is. In James chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, James read, oh, not reads, warns his readers that this, this fight that we like to participate in really is, is, doesn't work out to us, doesn't work out for the best. We sometimes think if I'm in control, the best things happen because I'm at least doing what I want to do, and I can determine my future. 
And while it's important for us to have some sort of self-control, this submitting ourselves to God and giving up control to him and realizing that we need to be moldable to the master potter, here's the benefit. We'll be resisting the devil and he's gonna flee from us. If we're submitting to God and allowing us to be moldable, allowing him to mold us, to shape us, to spin that wheel and, and kind of work the clay, which is us, while we're doing that, we're simultaneously as a byproduct resisting the devil. Because the devil is trying to whisper in our ear, it's all about you. It's all about you. You can shape your own life. Now, while we do make our own choices and we can still choose our own path, the best path is a path of mold, you know, being moldable, to being carved and, and shaped by God. You see, too often we think submission is a sign of weakness, that whoever is in the submissive role is the weaker person, but it's really not the case. If we are submitting to God through that submission, if we're you know, going to him saying, I'm going to do your will, we are stronger through submission. Just like when we are mutually submitting to each other, when we do that, are we stronger or are we weaker together? Well, we're stronger. We're stronger together. We're more secure through submission. Now, how can I be more secure through submission? Well, because God has a purpose. God has a plan. And I may not understand what that plan just is, but I know in the end, God will be glorified. You see, <laughs> God's will is inevitable. I like this word because when I think of it, I think of the Avengers and, the, and, the, and, the, and Thanos, and this makes me happy. But God's will is inevitable. Now, what do, what do I mean by that? Well, I, all, I mean his ultimate will. There's a great book. I've, I'm going blank on who wrote it right now. I didn't write it down. But uh, it's called The Will of God. Go figure. And he talks about how there's, there's different wills of God. And this is his, his ultimate will is inevitable. Is, is inevitable. It is not able to be overcome. It's not able to stop. His ultimate will is he will be glorified one day and those who are obedient on day of judgment will be rewarded and those who are not obedient will not enter into eternal life. So we have that's the ultimate will, but we also know that God's will is for all to be saved. Is that going to happen? Well, we all know the answer because some who have refused to accept God, that is not going to happen. That's what we call his ideal will. So when I talk about his will as being inevitable, I'm not saying that God's desire for all to be saved and that's not happening. That means uh, God's not all powerful. That's not what that means. We have free will. So we have his ideal will, which God says, I really want you to accept me, but I'm not going to force you. But in the end, Here's my ultimate will. There's a day of judgment coming and I'm going to decide what's going to happen on day of judgment, and, but I will be glorified. So if in, in the perspective or under the umbrella of this lesson, being moldable, God's will will be done. He can use us to glorify him. He can use bad things to glorify him. Uh, we talked about this before um, in our teen class but I've known some people and I've been through myself some bad situations that I know God is not saying, I'm happy this happened. God does not rejoice in our sufferings. He does not rejoice in tragedy. So then how can God's will be inevitable? How can he be glorified through tragedy? And sometimes our tragedy, instead of making us more moldable, 
makes us more rigid and we start to harden and we don't allow God to keep working at us. You see, through tragedy and through how we react to tragedy, how we react to bad times, can glorify God so when others see how we are acting, we'll say, how can they respond that way? How can they still go through life in such a positive way, in such a, 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 in, in such a way that they're rejoicing? And we can say it's because I have confidence that God in the end will be glorified and that I'll share in his blessings. So his will is inevitable and he will be glorified. Now, let's, there we go. The other thing that I, I, can't, I can't think of, I can't help but imagine is that the clay is not smarter than the potter. The clay is not smarter than the, than the potter. See, culture tells us, or not culture doesn't just tell us, but culture values knowledge. Culture values knowledge. They say the more you know, the more benefit, you know, the more powerful you are, the more you know, the more successful you know. I mean, you, you'll be, the more you know, is almost like this line of status in our socioeconomic, our socio, you know, statuses here. So we have this, these thoughts that go through our mind. Well, I can do it. Or I know fill in the blank. So when things happen, instead of going to God and saying, author, creator of the world, how do I need to respond to this? Or what is your will for my life? Or how can I better glorify you in, in this situation? We say, well, I know what, fill in the blank. I know all these things. I can do this, my power. I can do all of these things. And that's really not the right response. You see, Paul alludes back to this potter and clay analogy in Romans 9 when he says, but who are you, O man, to answer back to God? He says, well, what is molded? Say to its molder, why have you made me like this? Now, I want us to, to back up a little bit. And we have this Play-Doh for those of you who, who came up and got some Play-Doh. And we have two different things. A lot of times, um, when we go back to this, clay is not smarter than the potter. This ball of Play-Doh is not going to form itself unless I form it, right? I can make a really cool, what I call snake, but then I go, oh, that's like a hot dog. So then I got like, oh, to start all over again. I, I'm terrible at this, but I want our, our little ones who have the Play-Doh, I want you to hold out your Play-Doh, and I want you to do this. Turn into a dog. That didn't work. Can y'all try it? Try to tell your piece of Play-Doh to turn into a dog. Is it going to work? Well, it's not going to work because the clay, well, one, is, is, doesn't have a brain. that can't do that. But the clay is not smarter than the potter. I can't be like, oh, I don't know how to make a, a dog, but you know what? I bet the clay does. <laughs> turn into a dog, and it's, it's just not going to work. And, uh, but too often, we think that we are more knowledgeable all right, but we don't say that, but we think because of our knowledge that we can shape ourselves. And we can say, I can make myself into the best that I can be, and I don't need anybody. I don't need God. I just need my own knowledge. I need my own talents, my own abilities. And I'm, but that doesn't work. Just like this Play-Doh is not going to shape itself. Well, it's also, we, aren't, we can't do that either. But then this part right here about, you know, who are you to answer back to God? You know, is what is molded is going to, you know, say to the molder, why have you made me like this? 
well, I'm so thankful that, that this Plato is not going to start talking to me, saying, why am I just a ball, this whole sermon? And I can be like, well, first of all, if it started talking to me, I might leave. But this Plato isn't going to start talking back to us. So those of you who have a piece of Plato saying, I want you to make me this way. I want you to do this. Or why did you make me into this? But too often we'll look at God and say, you know, I don't like the way you made me. Why didn't you make me like so-and-so? Or, why, you know, for me, why didn't you let me make be like Andrew who can make really cool pottery things? But no, but why didn't you give me this talent? Why didn't you give me that talent? Or why do I just have this talent? See, that there's a principle here that the clay is not smarter than the potter. And God being the author and creator of the universe has designed you uniquely for a purpose, to be able to carry that out, to be able to serve him and have a role in the church. We all have a role, and without one of us, we're incomplete. I also think of uh, Proverbs 3, a favorite verse of mine, saying, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. You see, I like my way. I I do. I I like getting my way. You probably do too. None of us enjoy when we don't get what we want. And when we talk about the influences we have from culture being, you know, part of humanity, we have that inner temptation of, well, I'm going to lean on my own understanding because at least it's what, what, what I understand. At least it's what I think. And we've put such stock in personal knowledge that we've almost left out room for saying, I don't understand, but I'm still going to be faithful. There are times in my life when I've been like, I don't know why this is happening. And you have several choices. You have, I'm going to respond in a way that says, I'm just going to do my own way. Or we can say, God, I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to trust that you know what's happening. And I'm going to stay straight on straight. And notice this passage even mentioned, make straight your paths. It says, if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and you acknowledge him in everything you do, your path will be straight. Now, that doesn't mean there's not going to be little side things that we see, oh, look, there's this over here. It doesn't mean the straight path isn't going to be bumpy, isn't going to be thorny, isn't going to be full of ups and downs, but it'll be straight. (laughs) And all these detours that are on that main path, sometimes they seem pretty appealing, At least to me, they do. But we have to remember that it's not because of our understanding or our own knowledge that gets us through the end, but it's trusting the Lord with all your heart and acknowledging him in everything. Now, we just sang some awesome songs, and one of them I wrote down because it was the one that that stuck out to me the most, which was, Have Thine Own, Own Way, Lord. Now, we were all singing that. It sounded great. But let me ask you a question. Did you mean the words? When you were singing that song, did you actually mean, do with me what you will? Have your own way, mold me, make me into what you desire, and I'll be okay with it. Are you like, you know, maybe you're like, well, I can't say like this piece of Play-Doh, but maybe you're like the, the clay that's talking back to the potter saying, no, I don't like this. Uh, could you make me something different? Could you make me into something a whole lot better? Well, who decides what's better and what's not? 
were all important pieces. In fact, we talked about this at our youth retreat, but you are a masterpiece created by the master potter. I want you to think about that. You are a masterpiece created by the master potter. Paul tells us in Ephesians that we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's Ephesians 2 verse 10. But sometimes we we feel like that masterpiece. We don't feel like his prized creation, his perfect creation, saying, I made you just the way you are for a reason. God doesn't make mistakes. But that also doesn't mean that once that who we are right now is all God has for us. Part of being moldable also means that maybe at different stages in our lives, God might have to reshape us. He might say, you know, you've been great in that role. It's time for me to use you in a different way. Notice the potter was making it, it became spoiled, and it said he reworked it. Part of reworking and reshaping for a purpose might mean destruction has to happen before. If I'm making this cool image, and I'm just going to make, I don't know, I'll make something here. I don't know, I'll just make like this. I don't know what this is, but it's something. If it's like, oh, it's no good anymore, I'll have to kind of reball it up and then start reshaping it. And that is not comfortable. Destruction is never comfortable, especially once we've become comfortable. But there really isn't, comf- you can't stay comfortable in life in this where we become too rigid because then we can't be moldable. We can't be reshaped by the master potter by saying, you've been great here, but now I need you here. Maybe that's, maybe that's you. Maybe you haven't become moldable. Maybe you've not been moldable your whole life. Maybe your whole life you've, you've lived a life saying, this is who I am. You can't change who I am. God made me this way. And, uh, and we like to say, God made me this way about our faults so we don't have to change them. Oh, this is how God made me. Well, <laughs> maybe, we, maybe that's because of our own decisions, but we need to be moldable our whole lives. And God is never done working on us, mainly because once we've sinned and we became imperfect, It's a constant struggle to be transformed into the image of Jesus. And God's saying, I'm not done working on you yet. I'm still working on you. I'm still shaping you. Maybe you're hesitant to be used for the purpose with which you've been created. There's talents that you've been given that you're just sitting back saying, I really don't want to use these. I wish I had a different talent. Well, the talents you have are needed. We need your talents. The church needs your talents. The lost needs your talents. God blessed you for a reason. You may be saying, well, it doesn't feel like a blessing. Well, it is. And that's part of us being humble and submitting to the master potter by saying, I know you you created me this way. Now I'm going to embrace my purpose. I'm going to say, this is who I am. This is who you've created me to be. So whether you're struggling with that this morning or maybe you haven't, become a Christian yet. You haven't been buried in the waters of baptism to be raised in newness of life. We encourage you to do that. Don't wait. We are here to walk through life together, to be moldable together so we can be reworked for his purpose. Whatever your need is, please come now while we stand and sing.
If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its community. Yeah.